you'll learn more from the experience. Get in the game. Whatever new skill set you want to work on, you're going to make some mistakes, but get in the game. You'll learn faster. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 43, and my guest today is Dare LaCroix. Now, his bio starts out with this. He felt invincible in high school. He failed as a business owner. He worked in a cubicle for over a decade. Today, he's a world champion speaker. What made the difference for him can make the difference for you. Now, Darren will outline his background for you during our interview, but there's a part of his background that we didn't cover. Darren is currently the only speaker in the world who's a CSP, that is Certified Speaking Professional, and AS, an accredited speaker, and a world champion of public speaking. Darren always stresses, don't go for the designations to get the letters after your name. Do it for the professional you will become in the process. He's also the co-host of Unforgettable Presentations podcast. Darren works with presenters eager to learn what it takes to connect deeply with their audiences. He's the founder of StageTimeUniversity.com, the ultimate online program for presenters. Now, during our interview, listen to his journey of highs and lows, of his struggles and successes. What you will hear is an entrepreneur who works every day to become the best. As I've said to my audiences, is that in order to enact change, I mean true change, you have to apply it every single day in baby steps. An analogy to enact change recently happened to me on September 9th, 2019, when Dan Thurman, CSP, an immediate past president of the National Speakers Association, came and spoke to our NSA Ohio chapter. At one point, Dan started juggling, which took me back 40 plus years ago when I used to juggle and really haven't since. This got me inspired so much that when I got home, I grabbed three tennis balls and tried to juggle. Whoa, I dropped more than I kept in the air, but I did juggle 23 times without dropping that day. I made a commitment to juggle every single day, and as of November 19th, I have juggled 72 days with a high of 365 times without dropping. I have dropped many, and I have failed more than I succeeded, but I'm enacting change and getting a little bit more confident each and every day. Day. Listen to Darren's analogies and think about how you can enact change every single day, a little bit at a time. And as he says, just get in the game. As you know by now, 
Change Your Mindset is part of the C-Suite Radio family of podcasts. It's an honor and a privilege to be amongst some of the more prevalent business podcasts, such as The Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazlett, Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken, and Keep Leading with my friend, Eddie Turner. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Many of you don't know that I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I do volunteer my time at the Central Ohio Diabetes Association, which is part of the Life Care Alliance organization here in Central Ohio. Here's a short commercial about the upcoming Santa Speedo Dash on Saturday, December 14th, and all the proceeds from the Dash will help to fund the Central Ohio Diabetes Association Summer Camp for Children with Type 1 and Type 2 Diabetes. If you'd like to register or donate, please go to www.lifecarealliance.org slash programs slash CODA, that's C-O-D-A, slash Santa hyphen Speedo hyphen Hey, Anthony, what's with the bells? Hey, Kathy, I'm putting my outfit together for the Santa Speedo Dash. Love the red leggings, too. So you're going to run in the Santa Speedo Dash on Saturday, December 14th to support Camp Ham Week? You betcha. Will you be there? Of course. It's the only day each year I'm allowed to wear a bathing suit to work. Help us give kids with diabetes the experience of a lifetime. Proceeds from the Santa Speedo Dash support Camp Ham Week. Register or donate today at www.sanaspeedodash.org. And now a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. Now let's get to the interview with Darren LaCroix. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Man, do I have a guest for you today. Buckle up. I'm interviewing Mr. Darren LaCroix, who I can't, I'm going to let him tell a story because I can't, (laughs) I can't do it justice other than he came to our NSA chapter last year and blew us all away. I've heard stories. I've heard there's this story about him or or I've heard about him for a long period of time. And I finally got a chance to meet him and man, is he good? So I'm not going to get, I'm not going to give the good stuff away, Darren. I'm going to let you do that because you can do a lot better than I am. But first and foremost, Darren, it's, 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 it's 1130 here, Eastern Standard Time. I'm talking to Darren, who's in Las Vegas, who is very early in the morning. He had to get another cup of coffee before we get started, which I, I, I appreciate. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and early morning to spend time with me on my podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
he's got I mean he's got the voice for the radio he's got the face for the stage he's, no, it's he's, all special effects <laughs> <laughs> so I turn Derek, the bass way down he I very way how you doing uh, I do I do just fine I've been working on my Morgan Freeman lately to see if I can have that soothing <laughs> voice to that, that, that if I always said if Morgan Freeman would read an IRS letter and make you want to be audited by the IRS. It would feel so <laughs> good. <laughs> so, Jerry, give everybody, tell me, tell me a story because it is incredible at the least. Well, you're very kind. I've, uh, I grew up, uh, you know, parents got to go to college, got to go to college. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know that I wanted to eventually be an entrepreneur. But I'm like, why am I going to college if I want to have my own business? So I went to business school, um, four years, Bryant College, Smithfield, Rhode Island, now called Bryant University. But I was really excited. And I decided because I couldn't really get a college, uh, excuse me, a business loan right after college, you know, having no experience <laughs> and no money. Uh, so I ended up going with a franchise. So I bought a Subway franchise and I was so dreaming. <laughs> I was going to be a multi-store owner, going to have five units, going to be a multi-millionaire, have everybody do the work for me. And man, I could like back then <laughs> Subway had 5,000 stores, yeah, literally. And they actually had a 98% success rate. I really got to screw up to be in that 2%. You, you've got to be good at messing up. And, and honestly, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing Subway because I'm really not. I made a lot of bad mistakes and it didn't work. So I had the store for about a year and a half. I sold it at a loss. And I just was at the lowest point in my life. And I just living at home with my parents. I've got I still had the business loan, even though I had no business because I sold it at a loss. Had the college loan, living with mom and dad. Woohoo! Dreams only in America. <laughs> only in America can you be an entrepreneur and earn less than minimum wage, and it's legal. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I my buddy gave me this motivational tape because I was so down and I loved it. It was like encouraging and made me believe in myself. And I'm driving down the road and I hear this man named Brian Tracy say, uh, what would you dare to dream if you knew you wouldn't fail? And I thought about it because I was at this such, yeah. uh, such a uh, open point in my life where I'm like, tell me anything I'm, I'm in. And when I answered the question, what would I want to do if I knew I wouldn't fail? I was like, I would be a comedian. That would be the ultimate. I mean, making people laugh for a living, that would be perfect. And all of a sudden, this little voice of reason said, but you're not funny, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't the question. Right, right. It's truth, but it wasn't the question. So I just challenged myself and I said, you know what? It wasn't a dream, but I said, what if Brian Tracy's right? So I forced myself to do it just once. And... I decided when I told my friends and family, they're like, you, a comedian, number one, you're scared to talk in front of people. Number two, you're not funny at all, <laughs> like, not even close. Uh, and you're a nice guy. People like you, but that's because you shut up and you don't talk. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I, I realized in listening to his motivational tapes, uh, Brian Tracy said, go to people who are where you want to be and listen to them. So I said, well, let me ask a comedian. Because when I told my friends and family, they compared me to Jerry Seinfeld. Someone just thinking about it to someone at the top of their profession. And that's not fair. It's right. human nature. I get it. I understand it. But it's not fair to compare you and where you're at if you're just beginning a new skill set. 
to somebody who's one of the most accomplished (laughs) person in the industry. You know, when you sit back, oh yeah, of course, why would you do that? But in the moment, you're like, comedian, not you. Okay, next, pick another dream, buddy. And so I went to this little comedy club and I had never been to a comedy club in my life live at that point. I went to this little comedy club in Worcester and I worked up all the courage I could to walk up to the comedian. Because again, I'm a shy, quiet kid who has no business being on stage, never mind talking to a comedian. Uh, so I looked up to him and I, after the show, and he seemed pretty approachable. So it wasn't horrible, but it was still a stretch for me. And I said, hi, my name is Darren. I want to try this. What do I need to do? And he asked me a question. He said, are you funny? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, good. I'm like, good. What do you mean good? And he went on to explain that people who are naturally funny, like class clowns, your friends and your family, like that's one skill set around your family. If you handed them a microphone and put them in front of a group of 100 strangers, they couldn't make them laugh. Right. He said, that's a different skill set. But then he said, that skill set can be learned. And I was like, ooh, he gave me <laughs> And he said two things there. Number one, and this is for anything, but it just, it, it spoke to me. He said, number one, you need to get the book. I'm like, book? There's a book about stand-up comedy? Well, of course, there's books about everything, but I wasn't thinking that way. So number one, get the information, get the book. And he said, number two, you need to go to open mic nights yeah. and watch other people who are just starting out. Well, duh, now I would be comparing myself to someone else who's starting out rather than someone at the top of their profession. That made sense. So I went out and I got the book. I read the book. I studied the book, went through the exercises. And I think that's one of the other problems uh, for us as adult learners. I'm still guilty myself now that we think we know everything. And so we're not truly opened to new ways. And even though we say we want it, we have a problem, we have a challenge. But fortunately, back then I was, I was wide open. So I went and got the book, did the exercises. And then on Sunday night, I went to this little comedy club called Stitches right outside of Fenway Park in Boston. And I walked in and you could feel the sticky floor. You could <laughs> smell the stale beer. And it was like, cool. It was like coolness. And I so didn't belong in coolness, but I was there. And I watched people go up for their very first time and they were horrible. And I thought I could do that. (laughs) I could be that horrible. These people were embarrassing. I'm like, I've embarrassed myself before. I have no problem with that. (laughs) And so I committed that, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it just once though. It wasn't like this dream. And I didn't think at that moment that I was going to live the life and become a comedian and then go on to be a speaker. But I just, just once, because I couldn't live with the regret of wondering what if, right. what if Brian Tracy was right? Mm-hmm. I'm in such a malleable state right now in my life. If I don't try this now, I'll live my life regretting. So I studied the book for two weeks, uh, excuse me, two months. I went to Stitches every Sunday night for two months to be re-inspired by horrible comedians. (laughs) And it was April 26, 1992, Stitches, Boston, Mass. And I went up on stage. I was so nervous. I was literally shaking. Uh, I have it on video too. And when I give speeches, I actually show a video clip of it. And it's horrible. And... I can show it now if you want. Let's let's I don't make know sure if we get translate, it. But, but make sure give me the give me the clip and I'll put I'll put it into the show notes. People can watch it because I remember you showed it at the chapter. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be honest with you, I got goosebumps because I remembered what it was like being, being in an open mic night and mm-hmm. having that, that fear, having, having that intimidation and, and getting up there in front of 50 people, whatever, and, and telling jokes and trying to make them laugh. It, it, was, it, was, it just gave me the good goosebumps, not the bad goosebumps. The good goosebumps, not yeah, the bad yeah. ones. Yeah. Well, the, through the miracle of Zoom, stop share. We're going to see if we can get this thing played. Here we go. Does anyone here live in New England? Yeah. yeah. I, had, I figured I had to get something to see it. Uh, anybody ever notice that any, every other small town in New England takes one little small historical fact makes it the greatest event in the world. <laughs> Sorry for my voice, like, fluttering. But, uh, a lot of towns are like this. Um, I did, I, I was doing some research, like, places like Lexington, you know, the first um, revolutionary skirmish happened there. Um, his name, I can't even think of his name. Obviously, he was real famous. Eli Whitney was in Westboro, you know, born in Westboro. Um, I was doing some research and I discovered that the, the actual, the first dentist to use ether actually happened in Charlton, Massachusetts. And an interesting thing about this was he actually experimented himself. You know, nobody else had done this before. And, and he, he started with animals and he used his own dog. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it was painful. And that wasn't even the worst part. The, there was a moment that I, I told you about and where I was so nervous that what I was saying and what I was doing with my body, it was not in sync because obviously you're ner- when you're nervous, right. that's how it is. And so I was telling this one joke about Dr. Robert Goddard, who launched the first liquid fuel rocket in history in my hometown. And I was talking about the rocket because it only went 41 feet high. And I said, the rocket took off and it went vertically, but I did horizontally (laughs) with my arm and I was just disgusted with myself. And I just reacted. I just like, shoot. That's not the actual word I used. Shoot. And everybody laughed. And I was like, what's going on? Why, Why are you laughing? That's not where you're supposed to laugh, but I'll take it. Right, right. And as I walked off stage, one of the other comedians uh, put his arm around me to console me. He's like, Tori, man, it's just your first time. And I remember thinking, don't worry, it's just my first time. Did you see what I did? I got a laugh. (laughs) I don't care that it was a mistake. I can make more mistakes. In that five minutes of time, I had one thing that worked. And even though it was a mistake, if I could reproduce that and get rid of everything that didn't work, I could do this. Right. And I just said, I'm in. I got every mentor that I could. I read every book that I could. And in fact, that's what uh, my mentor said, stage time, stage time, stage time. Any day that you don't get on stage is a day that you don't grow. And I think for everyone in your conversations, uh, trying to persuade people or educate people, we need to be better at it. And the more we do it, the better we'll get. But especially if we have some world-class tools to do that. So uh, Stage Time University is now, <laughs> because of that story, um, that's what I do where I train people. But I love what I get to do. But here's the cool part, is that Stage Time is important. But if we're not trying to improve, like my mentor said, any day that you don't get on stage is a day that you don't grow. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? I, 
I, I thought I had to be good to be on stage. And he said, no, 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 you have to go on stage to get good. Right. And it's very different. And so um, I couldn't get stage time. You know, as a wannabe comedian, there's only three night Cl- uh, three comedy clubs in Boston at that time. And there's a hundred wannabes vying for those spots. So it was hard to get stage time. And that's when I found Toastmasters and NSA in a couple of years or a year and a half later. And I found Toastmasters as a great place to make mistakes and get that stage time. I'm like, what do you mean? They're going to clap no matter how bad I am? <laughs> like, that's not like a comedy club at all. <laughs> and so I just dove in and I did both stand up and speaking for many years. And then uh, fast forward to 2001, I outspoke 25,000 contestants from 14 countries to win the world championship of public speaking with a very funny speech. And I, I had a great coach and it was the coach. I just did the work, but most people aren't willing to do the work or get a coach. And, and you make some really good points throughout the story is one, you, you just don't become a world champion overnight. <laughs> Two, you don't, be, you don't become funny overnight. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, Pidme, you, you, you've done the work, you, you've demonstrated that it takes every day. And so many mm-hmm. times people want to do here, but they don't want to put in the work. Right. And they get frustrated when something doesn't happen because it, you know, it doesn't happen quick enough. Right. When, when you want to enact change, you, you have to take small steps. One of the things I love to point out is there are those people who are naturals. That those 2% that are natural born presenters, naturally born funny people, guess what? I hate them too. (laughs) Because for the rest of us, it's work. It's work. And then the other thing that frustrates me is people who are or who have a natural gift, but it's good and they could be great or unforgettable if they'd just be willing to be more open and be a sponge because they got those natural talents and they could ride on them and be better than most, but they could be unbelievable if they just got some world-class techniques in whatever industry they're in. Well, that, that, go, that goes to a coach and, and, you know, we all need coaches, but also goes to... Even you? you? What? I, I've, I've got, I, I love improv. I mean, that, that, that's, that's my love and I have an improv coach. And we meet once a month. Uh, he's out in LA. He's part of Second City uh, faculty out in LA. And we look at it from a business perspective. But he's inspired me to that I should probably get up on stage. I've never been on stage from improv. I've done stand-up. What? But he's, he's inspired me to be on stage. And I said, well, I guess at this point in my life, I'd be doing the assisted living circuit, which is fine. <laughs> now, there's always that one token old person. Yeah. You and me. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, oh, look at the geriatric improv <laughs> player up there. But here's a cool part. I, this is why I love Patricia Fripp. And I, I can't wait till I'm uh, at her age, whatever that would be, because I can't wait to get away with the things that she can say. Well, true. <laughs> See, if the old guy says something even remotely uh, risque, it will kill mm-hmm. Peter. Get up there. <laughs> Get I'll up join there. you. The two uh, old guys. Uh, I'm going to hold you to I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you to that now. I'll do it. I'm going to hold you to that. But, uh, but we all need coaches. We all need help. And we, yeah. all need to, we all need to, and you said, we need to be open. We need mm-hmm. to be open to other ideas and, and basically park our ego. And you know what? I, if and you make a point, there are some people who are really good, but if they want to be outstanding, 
they've got they've got to take the feedback and accept the feedback. Be, be a sponge. Be a sponge. And ego gets in the way, and, and it doesn't allow us to some folks to be that sponge. Mm. Um, I, I I like feedback, and I hired I hired Judy Carter as a coach at one point to help me, and I sent her some footage, and I said I want it straight between the eyes. <laughs> and I bet you got it from her. I did. <laughs> and, and, and and when she was done, I said, thank you. And I didn't get defensive. And she goes, well, I said, I asked for the feedback. I can't get defensive if I ask for feedback. And if mm. this is the way that I want it, she goes, you're weird. I said, that, thank you. <laughs> I am that way, but I'm, <laughs> op- I'm, I'm open to the feedback. Now, what I do with that feedback is my decision. Mm-hmm. But you see this all the time. People will ask for feedback, and then as you're giving it to them, they're being defensive about everything. Yeah, they 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 don't actually want the feedback. Yeah. They actually want the pat on the back. Uh, right. Craig Valentine says um, some people go come to us for education, and some people come to us for validation. And I think more people come for validation. validation. Right. And I was guilty of that myself. When I met my coach, let, let me just jump in on this super quick because it makes the point. Yeah. In 2001, I had been uh, stand, doing stand-up for nine years. I was a speaker for seven years. I think at that point, I was 94. And so I thought I was pretty good. And in the Toastmaster world, I was like king of my club. I wasn't <laughs> world class, but I was king of my club in the in the perfect bubble world. Right. And don't get me wrong, I love Toastmasters. It's a great place to grow, but it's not reality, you know. But we need that in order to be better in reality. So uh, I thought if I just got a coach, so I joined this speech contest to work on the stories I was telling in my professional career. Mm-hmm. So I didn't join it to get the trophy. I joined the speech con or entered it, I should say. Mm-hmm. I entered the speech contest to work on the stories I was already telling to make them so good, someone would pay to hear them. And that was advice from one of my comedy mentors. He said, Darren, take the stories you already have. He said, stop, because I was like that little creature from Lord of the Rings, you know, precious, precious. (laughs) I was lusting after that story that would be, you know, in our world as a speaker, Peter, we we want that signature story, that story we're known for. And so I kept trying to find it and find it and find it. And he said, no, Darren, stop. He said, take one of the stories you already have and make it so good, someone will pay to hear that. And that was like a, an aha, a switch of the mindset mm. because I didn't realize there was a world-class process that you could follow to go deeper. I just thought you just told the story and you tweaked it a little. No, 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 no. You got to dig deeper into the story. You got to find the right elements, put them together in a great way and add dialogue and enhance it and show the emotional shift. I was like, what? This was, I just thought a story happened. You rec- you re- recognized it and you reported on it and it was right. wrong. So when I... Uh, first met Mark Brown, who was the 1995 world champion and my coach. I was so excited that he agreed to work with him, work with me. And I really secretly, I, you know, I said I wanted coaching, but secretly I just wanted validation. <laughs> I just wanted him to tell me how great I was. And so I took the first version of my championship speech because he had to write a different one at three levels. So this was, he helped me out right on the last level. That's when I met him. Mm-hmm. 
And I had about 77 days before the contest. So I drove with version 1.0. I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring it ahead of time or send it ahead of time because I wanted to see the joy and the impression on his face. So I drove from Boston to New York to work with my coach. And we were in this little corporate training center where he worked at Reader's Digest. And <laughs> I, I was so thrilled. If you don't know Mark Brown, he stands about six foot two. He's got a heart of gold. He's a native of Jamaica and he's got this beautiful booming laugh like the guy from the old 7-Up commercial. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. And so I handed Mark the speech. I mean, this was the greatest speech in the history of Toastmasters. <laughs> and then I handed it to him. I thought it was so good. You could hear choirs of angels. <laughs> I handed it to Mark. Mark took the speech. <sighs> oh, Darren, we have some work to do. What? I did everything you told me to do. I wrote the greatest speech that I could write from the level I was at. Mm -hmm. But you don't know what you don't know. And it's that moment after I absorbed the feedback and got out of my own ego's way, I realize that if you're not coachable, there is no cure. If you're not coachable, there's no cure. No one can help right. you get to the next level. And that's, that's, that's a great quote. Uh, and it's so true. How coachable are you? How do you, how, how do you, how do you look at coaching? Hmm. Uh, and some people, to your point, they, they look at it as validation versus educate me. Tell me, tell me what I, how I can get better. How can I stretch myself? You got to be confident to say, rip me apart. Yeah. And mean it. And, and, yeah, I and mean it. And, and I was confident with myself, but I knew, here's what I knew. I knew that I didn't know everything. I, I knew in order to get what? better. I, in order to You're get a better, man. We're I'm, supposed to know everything, aren't we? Uh, I, we're supposed to, but when we're honest with ourselves and want to, <laughs> and want to continue to get better, mm. uh, you've got you to search out those folks who have established that level and, and learn from them. Um, you know, some people say, you, you're really good. I said, well, thank you, but I still have a long way to go. Well, you've been doing this for 17 years. I still have a long way to go. I still have a lot to learn. Yeah, it's a mindset thing. It's the, the uh, as Mike Rayburn says, it's like the virtuoso mindset that you're constantly trying to become the best and you'll never achieve it. Right, but if right. you're not constantly trying to improve, you're stuck in a rut. And you're making the rut deeper by not picking up new tools, new mindset, new perspective. Exactly. And this goes to anything that we do. Anytime we're trying to get better, if we're trying to become a better leader, you don't learn leadership in a workshop. You learn leadership and applying it every single day. Uh, I, I, it sounds great in a workshop. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, cool. I can do that. Uh, uh, but, but low, but low, low, low. Uh, it, it doesn't work that way because we got to put in the work. And, and I think a lot of times complacency sets in. Mm -hmm. We just don't want to do the work, but then we're not seeing any results. You can't get or that's growth. Or growth. We right, might get right. some results, but not the true growth that we're looking for. And so you, you went from a scary guy doing, doing stand up who your parents and friends thought you're not funny to doing stand up for nine years. Uh, you travel the country, uh, a professional speaker, uh, a world champion Toastmaster, a uh, member of the National Speakers Association. But the one thing I, I have learned about you is you don't stop. 
Uh, how many? How many? Out of my vocabulary. <laughs> how many revenues? I get exhausted and pass out on occasion, but the next day I get up and keep going. How many revenue streams do you have? Eighty-two. Okay, so and and it started with one. Now, for for just for clarification, some of them are just trickles. Don't. I'm not a multimillionaire. Some of them, when he says that, and he says that because I, I did a program on multiple streams of income, and I looked at my uh, my taxes and my accounting, and I I was I literally added them up. So a couple of them are like some MP3 that I created and tried to sell, and it didn't go well, and it's like four dollars and 52 cents for the year. So just to be clear, mm-hmm. some of them are trickles. But they're there. And, 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 and you and you continue to evolve and you continue to mm-hmm. grow and, and add new things. Uh, so you got the Stage Time University. I, I, I thought Darren had been doing podcasting for a while, but he just started a podcast about a month and a half ago. And the name of the podcast is? Unforgettable Presentations. Where we, Mark Brown, my coach, and I, we interview some of the most unforgettable presenters. In fact, Peter, you're at NSA, correct? Correct. Uh, so we just interviewed Jia Jang, who was the rejection guy. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. What yeah. I learned from 100 Days of Rejection. If, yeah. By the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen that TED Talk, you've got to check it out. It's so insightful, so funny, so inspiring. And so Mark and I just released last week a uh, our interview with him. It was fascinating. Yeah, he's got he's got a really fascinating story. And, and I did one day of rejection, and I went, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. If, I, if, I've been rejected. If I, if that's I went not on, the point, though, Peter. Right. If I want a hundred days of rejection, I'll go back into stand up. I mean, that was rejection city, right? I'll start dating again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. By the way, I'm not married, so uh, and I just. Yeah, I got no interest. Like I'm on a mission. I ain't got time for that. Yeah, well, 82 streams of income. You've got <laughs> you've got a boot camp coming up in in March. Yeah, I got one coming up in December and one coming up in March. So, and, and those those boot camps are. So the one in December is called Unforgettable Presentations, ironically. So it's a two-day event with Mark and me live or virtually in Vegas. And then in March, it's my big event, which is called Stage Time Live, where my whole faculty is there, Ed Tate, uh, Ford Sakes, Kevin Burke. Um, and we just it's two days with a whole bunch of crazy speakers who want to get better. Cool. And... Coaching and doing, and, but yeah, we do live coaching. Yeah. So we show people like everyone thinks, oh, here's here's what to do. But when you see somebody deliver it, and then you see a coach step up and say, okay, try this, this, and this, and then they do it that way, you're like, oh, you know, people just. I wish more people would just see the experience of coaching. Um, and anyway, I love what we do and helping people help people. And, and so when you think about coaching, and so if I'm thinking about my audience, and they'll go, well, you know, I've, I've got my continuing education. Check off that box. Yeah, that's the, thank you Are you for better because of it? Right. Or are, you, question. or are you just collecting eight hours of, mm-hmm. of continuing education? But what are you doing to get better? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the challenge I leave my audience with is, okay, you finished this. What are you going to take away? What are you going to work on? What are you going to get better on? And how are you going to plan it? And I normally, there, there might be one or two people that will take that actually serious and stick around and talk about it after the fact. But that's what you were there for. 
So right. you were there for those two. Right. It's a mindset. You can't make people be coachable. You can't make people be a sponge. But for you and I, for what we do, just to have that initial intention to help people. And it's sad that more people aren't open to growth. They say they are, but they're not actually. Why do you think that is? We, we say we're open for growth, but then we actually don't do it. Is it because of the demands of, of our jobs or demands of corporate America, demands of, of family, uh, or we're just naturally lazy? <laughs> All of the above. I think we're naturally lazy. And I think... You know, there's also, when you say get a coach, there's also bad coaches out there. Uh, yeah. So if you've had a bad experience with one coach, that doesn't mean they're all bad. That means maybe you should have done more due diligence. Um, if you Do you know Rudy Rudiger? I know of the name, but I don't know of the person. So he's, the movie Rudy was created around his story, but... Okay. Um, I got, he's like my hero. So I like stalked him until I could get to meet him. <laughs> had lunch with him. It was like having lunch with... Uh, a little kid having lunch with Santa Claus. I'm like, it's Rudy, it's Rudy. <laughs> anyway, he said one thing that I thought was brilliant. He said that people aren't afraid of hard work. They're afraid of hard work not paying off. Okay. And because sometimes they worked hard, but maybe in the wrong direction. Right. So as a result, they didn't get any results. Mm -hmm. and so they thought it's not worth it. But when you find the right coach, the person that you're open to, when, you know, unfortunately, when we have something in our life that happens, like last year, I'm just being honest here, even though I have a staff of four last year, I literally had to pull my staff aside and say, look, guys, I made some mistakes. I've been trying to correct them. I don't know if I'm going to hit payroll next week. Well, so if you need, yeah, if you need to get other jobs, I understand. And they all, they all, you know, some of them panicked, which I understand. But they all at least knew the truth, and I wasn't going to BS. And you know, it was scary. And one of my assistants said, "Why would you tell us that?" I'm like, "Well, why would I not? Are you kidding?" But I had let go. Like, I'm a hard worker, but sometimes we let go of the numbers. You know, we don't keep track of the of the numbers and what's happening. And my, even though I have money coming in all the time because of my different streams of revenue, I wasn't paying attention to what was going out and what was coming in. And that seems so obvious to everyone listening. I get that, but we're not perfect. And and so because I wasn't paying attention to my numbers, sometimes like that for me, this inciting incident happens that forces us to be open and coachable. So as a result of that, I, you know, I became a sponge. I went to a, an event with Russell Brunson who un, owns ClickFunnels yeah, yeah. and his team. And I just became a sponge again. And I was open and eager and I'm like, I got to find a way. And through that mindset, I found a couple of people who'd help me and coach me. And one woman who was still newer, but she was willing to sit down with me and just take a look at what I was doing. And she said, Dude, you have this huge list that you've been building for years. You you need to you need to just do a webinar. So here's Russell's webinar format. Just go through that and start doing webinars. And I was I had nothing to lose. Well, I started doing webinars and now it's my number one way of acquiring new students and it works. 
But if it wasn't for that inciting incident, I wouldn't have been coachable because I thought I knew what I was doing. You know, I got four employees. I'm, you know, 400 students around the world. <laughs> but you can't hit payroll next week. <laughs> that's 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 an eye opener. Everybody in my audience, if they're driving, they just hit the brakes when you said you couldn't make payroll. They just came to a complete stop. And, you know, that, that just, you know, but it, it also goes to the fact of, you know, you got you got to pay attention to those smaller details, mm. uh, and because we all you know we see it coming in, mm-hmm. and, we, and we get the checks, and, and we're like, oh, everything's fine. I've yeah. got money coming in. I've got checks in my checkbook. I, I'm still good. I've, I've got, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not out of cash yet. And, and I, I think that's one of the things that in, in our business because a lot of speakers aren't fiscally sound or financially savvy that they see it coming in, but they also don't pay attention to what's going out. And next thing you know, they're, they can't make payroll or, or, or the, or the broke or out of business. Cause this is a business. Yeah. It, I also found that like, so telling that story, like some people say, why do you tell that story? Well, it's transparency and it's right. truth. And if we truly want to influence others, we've got to be open and honest in my opinion. And so it's just, that's, that's why I tell that story because I think it's important. It's important for people to hear the truth. And for all of us, we, we don't want to admit some of our mistakes and some of our shortcomings and like SEO and keeping track of how much traffic is going to your website and what converts. And I hated Google Analytics because I just, even though I love numbers, I just like glazed over. So that's one of the reasons I moved over to ClickFunnels because it's more Darren friendly mm. so I can see the numbers and keep track and see what's working. And that's what I needed to do, but I wasn't doing it because I thought I was good. <laughs> well, since you submission uh, Russell Branson's book, uh, it's, it's Expert Secrets, right? That's, yes. That's, yeah, yeah, that's I, one I, of them. He's got yeah. a few. That was the, you, you actually mentioned that at our chapter and I actually went out and bought the book and became a sponge. Mm. And just and just soaked it all in. Now I haven't wrung myself out and 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 applied it. It's 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 always on. Oh, that. so you wonder why people more people don't do that, and only two percent of the people who listen to you do that. But right, huh? Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, <laughs> and open and honest and transparent and vulnerable and all that other stuff. Uh, but yes. It's okay. I get it. I, I love you, man. I'm a fan. As we say in improv, yes, and it, it's <laughs> it, 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 it needs to be done. It's it's on the it's on the list. And you have four people. I have I have a staff of five. Unfortunately, all five of them are in my head. Well. <laughs> Fight it out. Yeah, that, that, that's what, that's what they oh, do. But that's the thing. Time. Like uh, Patricia Fripp says something brilliant. She says, it doesn't matter how much you bring in. It only matters how much you keep. So, you know, there's an advantage. When I heard about Ford Sakes and what his payroll was, and I don't want to mention it yeah. without permission, but I was like, whoa. And I looked at my payroll and I'm like, my payroll is like, you know, five grand every two weeks. I was like, so you, all you got to do is take care of you and pay you. I'm like, what are you bitching about? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so shut up. No, I, I say that in jest because it doesn't matter what level you're at. It doesn't matter if you have four, you know, and you're like, oh, well, just get rid of one. Well, I have a big business. It's not quite that easy. Now, uh-huh. do I have to reevaluate? Absolutely. 
Exactly. Um, and and closing, what else can you share with my audience that that will motivate, inspire them to continue to do the right things, to continue to take those baby steps? Can a, a story that that you have to, to help demonstrate that? What else can you mm-hmm. share with them that they could go? You know, I remember listening to Darren, and he said this. Well. Uh, a story and two little ideas that will answer that, I think, perfectly. Um, Mike Rayburn, who we interviewed on our episode two of our podcast, you know, Mike, he's a yeah. world class speaker. He's amazing on XM yeah. radio. And he said for years, he, uh, Brian Tracy was his personal mentor and said for years, he thought he was good. And he said, you know, because he was self taught. And Brian Tracy asked him, he said, Are you, have you committed to being the best? And he said, well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm playing. I'm booked all the time. And he said, no, 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 that wasn't the question. <laughs> and Mike's self-reflectedly said, well, no, I, I haven't actually committed to being the best. And Mike said that if you're self-taught, the problem is the teacher's not that good. <laughs> you know, it's brilliant that it just it's right there, bam. So if you're not getting the results you want then something's got to change. Your perspective has to change. You go for the perspective first because the perspective leads to new habits, leads to new results. So I, you know, if there, if you're not getting the results you want, okay, what pick one area. Like we can't do 12 things. We don't have time. I get time, but pick that one area that we want to work on. So I live in Las Vegas and I've lived here for 11 years. I'm not a gambler. I'm not a partier. But I love living in a convention city being a speaker. So it, it was embarrassing to me when people would ask me or a question or something. And I don't understand the game of craps at all. Oh, like I don't, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right, right. So one of my friends was at this... Uh, fundraising party in Beverly Hills. And I was out in California and she invited me to go to this. And she's like, I'm volunteering. So I got to run around, but here, you know, come enjoy the party. So I'm at the party and then there's a craps table there. And I was like, okay, I don't know anyone. I'm an introvert. I'm going to go learn craps. This is a perfect opportunity. So I'm sitting there at the edge of the table and I'm watching what's happening. And I'm, and I'm, I'm asking some questions to, I think it's called the dealer, the person who rolls, but I I don't even remember. And so I'm asking questions and I'm watching and I'm watching. And this little old lady kind of scoots up next to me and she reminded me of my grandmother. She had these arthritis hands and she Mm -hmm. put them on the edge there. She was cute, but she had this scowl on her face. And she looks at me and realizes I'm not playing. She looks at me and she looks back. She goes, young man, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm learning craps and I'm just trying to understand. I don't even know how to bet. He goes, <laughs> and like 10 minutes go by and I'm still like asking questions and learning and trying to understand it. She goes, young man, young man, if you want to learn craps, get in the game. And she, uh, she wouldn't go away. She was just like looking at me. I was like, you know, Catholic guilt. I'm like, oh, okay. So I put some money in the game just to like, shut her up and leave her alone. And she was right. I don't remember her name. I never learned her name, but I'll always remember the lesson. You'll learn more from the experience. Get in the game. Whatever new skill set you want to work on, you're going to make some mistakes, but get in the game. You'll learn faster. Wow. I did not see that coming. 
that boom. So I get, I didn't either. Yeah. This little old lady taught me one of the most important lessons. And it's the same thing that I teach. Oh, <laughs> get in the game. Uh, Darren, I can't thank you enough for taking time. I, 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 I'm walking away with, I, I love when, when after an interview with one of my guests, I can walk away with stuff that I need to rethink and redo and, and reapply. And, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I thank you for that because I, I, I need to get back in the game and a few things that I have not. I've kept myself out of that game for full transparency and I am going to get back in the game. We're, we're, we all need the reminders, Peter, myself yes. included. Yes. And those reminders are, are very important. Um, once again, uh, Darren, tell people how they can find you. Well, if you uh, want to check out our events, just uh, go to stagetimeworkshops.com. If you want to know about, excuse me, either the, the December event or the uh, March event. So, and I'm doing another one coming up for pastors as well, an online class because teaching them better stories, better sermons. And so check that out. If you like online learning, you want to stay connected. We have live calls every single week uh, where we do live coaching inside of Stage Time University. So first week of the month, we work on content. Second, the week, stories, third week humor, fourth week delivery. So it's an online experience like you've never seen before. It's stagetimeuniversity.com. You can check out darrenlacroix.com. For people who really want to work on storytelling, just check out storytellingwebinar.com. It's free and you'll watch Mark and me teach you the insiders of using stories to be able to help influence you and your decision or, or the audience's decision to uh, come on and have your perspective or be convinced of what you're trying to convince them of. So check out storytellingwebinar.com. Go check out all Darren's websites and it'd be well worth your time and effort. And Darren, thank you so very much. Uh, hopefully our paths will cross sooner than later. And um, I, I need to get to Vegas. <laughs> hey, come join us for the event. Ass. I may have to just put we, that we will be get in the game, Peter. Get, get in the game. game. I'm going to get in the game. I'll give you the Darren special discount. <laughs> I'm going to take him up on that, I believe. Uh, oh, we always got to, no matter what we do, even if we're good at what we do, and that's what I love about yeah. people who are the best. They're always rethinking and reevaluating yeah. to build on what they already have. Exactly. And we need to continue to keep building. So thank you very much. I I appreciate it. And um, and let me know when we're going to do improv together on stage. The two old guys. I I, th- I think we should. <laughs> I, I think we should convince them that we should do it in, at Influence. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. I would like to thank Darren once again for his time and wisdom that he shared with you, my audience. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you download your podcast from. Also, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Make today your best day and remember to juggle, a.k.a. enact change, a little bit at a time every single day. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.